0: (laughs) 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 Bet Bet you wish you you (laughs) were here (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Hello You're very welcome Back To my podcast I missed you I hope My friends That you're sitting down In your favourite armchair Or somewhere Equally comfy cosy Maybe even your bed. Hey, get up out of that thing, you lazy fecker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only joking. I want you to let all the stresses and strains of life float out your nose and up your chimney, out into the world, because now, for the next hour or so, let me be your pseudo-political, pseudo-spiritual guide. I am here for you my friends and you are here for me and right now that's all that matter
1: right I need to stop that now because just become aware of the copyright infringement possibilities with that I'll have Eric Satie on to me <laughs> Eric Satie be taking me to court now so you're like oh why did you start off doing a mindfulness thing Type, ah, like, oh, mind your own business I ah, know you're quite entitled to ask like I suppose I'm hustling guys I do a bit of voiceover work as well like you know what I mean it's the working class background you know I'm always on the make like I gotta survive I'm a survivor do you know what I'm saying and did a kind of a mindfulness app cork mindfulness app sketch there recently and a couple of people said that I had a nice voice which was lovely to hear really because I remember being in school one time and uh doing some kind of drama thing and I remember a teacher saying something like my voice was very pitchy and girly I think it was the way she put it do you remember back in the day when teachers could just kind of psychologically abuse you with impunity? and like I don't know why she was expecting kind of the voice of a lumberjack like I mean by my calculations I would have been maybe nine I would imagine that you know maybe even Barry White sounded pitchy and girly at that age and so concludes another
0: bizarre
1: totally off-topic digression guys It's unionism time. We finally come to the three episodes I've been banging on about. I'm pumped about them. They said it couldn't be done. There was doubting Thomas's everywhere. Hopefully needless to say a lot of these people who are vocally doubting me don't exist. I create them. They're fictional characters. I do it to motivate myself because I'm a bam pot. I'm kind of like the Michael Jordan of the Cork South Central comedy scene. And that's it. Do you know what I mean? Just, Just get on with the guest now Ty. Just introduce the guest. Okay. So here we go, my first unionist guest, that is to say she is from a unionist background. Now full disclosure, I love this woman. I've just recently met her, I only met her there now I'd say about two months ago, but we became fast and firm friends. The spirit, the energy and the enthusiasm of this person, for me, personifies everything that's good about this island of ours. A guest for this episode is the very Reverend Karen Setharaman. I privately call her Kaz or Kaza. I haven't done that to her face yet, but my inkling is that it's going to be okay. I'm going to try it the next time I see her. She is the first female Baptist minister in Ireland. She has a passion for peace and reconciliation, social justice, is a champion of gender equality. She's one of the founders of Spectrum, a space set up in Belfast for LGBT plus people of faith And she particularly feels called to minister outside church walls, journeying with people who feel they don't fit in church. I would finish that little bit of an intro by saying that she is an absolute star bear. We talk Brexit, religion, visions for a new Ireland, but I start off by getting a nice little bit of free counselling offer.
0: Yes!
2: I was just going hello hello
1: <laughs> like i'm technically so awful as well that as soon as there's even the slightest problem i just like laptops out the window and i'm done
2: and all I, all I, could, I could see you going hello, hello. And i'm going i'm here i'm here
1: it it said oh, um karen has something to say and there was a little hand came up and i'd never i'd never seen that hand before and i was like
2: that was my, that was my kind of let you know I am here, but for some reason we are not communicating. But I, I am here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so great. If you don't mind, I'm recording. I'm recording from the top. Is that okay? Just like, is there's yeah, like this, sure. these these things are kind of useful, like for editing and stuff but recording web, I won't formally start for a couple of minutes, but I just let you know I'm recording.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: I'm great. I'm just like careful what you wish for. I'm just so busy at the moment. I'm finding it hard to enjoy it. Do you know that kind of way? Like it's,
2: yeah.
1: it's just very stressful where there's a few things happening at the same time and it's kind of stuff that you always wished was happening. But like, unless the the self-care is there, then everything is just kind of stressful. Do you know that kind of way? So the balance just isn't quite right at the moment. I'm sure you, you, you understand has- better than I do what I'm on about like,
2: yeah. Yeah. How- I'm the queen, the queen of unbalance.
1: <laughs> How do you fit in everything that you do? Like?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, every time I have meetings with boards or anything, it's the big kind of red flag is my life and work balance every time. right? Um, it's something I've always, I feel like I can't really give advice on this because I'm like, I think we should probably set up a supporters group or something because it's quite if going to go. I haven't got it sorted, but I would say I'm better. I would say I'm a lot better. I think you know this better than me because you're kind of a celeb, but the reality is that you can, you're going to be in a position where you can say no to things and you begin to figure out and choose. It sounds like I'm your chaplain. <laughs> this is brilliant. You need a chaplain let me know. <laughs> But listen, I'm limping in this one as well. So we just limp together. But yeah, I think there comes a time where you can pick and choose. And I think, you know, the greatest advice I ever got in this field was, look Karen, you're not Jesus. Okay. You can't do everything. And I think building in time that's away from work is good, but what do
1: i know yeah it's i find it hard to i feel like i'm letting people down if i don't say yeah to everything that they're asking me to do but like the thing is just the volume of people asking you to do stuff has exponentially grown and then the stress grows with it you know that type of way so but yeah just trying to take more time off at weekends and stuff is something i'm looking at at the moment because i've ended up working a lot at weekends and you're kind of going well where is my life then you know where's my walking around where's my feeling gratitude for just still being on this earth kind of thing like you know but anyway look enough about me and thanks thanks (laughs) Thanks
2: to the (laughs) counselling. I think, you know, I think, yeah, I just, it's not easy and I do spend my life, but then I'm a bit older than you, Ty, you know, but um, I'm ready to retire.
1: I heard you were 24.
2: Well, yeah, you know, 24 is like the new retirement.
1: Sure, sure, sure.
2: sure. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like you have so much wisdom for one so young. That's, that's, (laughs) that's, that's that's my, that's my vibe off you. Anyway, I have to say (laughs) If you don't mind, we'll kick off with my first question, and yeah. I'm obsessed with you. But for anyone who doesn't know you in this jurisdiction that I'm living in at the moment, could you tell us in a couple of sentences or a couple of hours, however long you want, who is Karen Setharaman?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's is not that the million dollar question. Are we all figuring out <laughs> who we are? <laughs> Well, my my name is Karen Setharaman. Thank you so much, Tag, for having me. I know that we have been trying to get together and haven't been yeah. able to with with our busyness. So thank you for being persistent. I I just I love what you do and and I just think you're a a, a general a, a great guy. And so it's an honor for me to be part of this. And yes, I really do. I just <laughs> you know, and of course you're moving up to Belfast to here, is that right? That's it. That's
1: it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Derry and, and anywhere else that I'm trying to get gigs in. <laughs> I'm a bit like that
2: because I was moving to Cork a few months ago.
1: I heard that, yeah. We're, <clears> both, <throat> we're both in the same kind of uh, <laughs> spirit that way. Yeah, God, right. go, yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, my name is Karen Setharaman, obviously the name Setharaman isn't Irish in the sense that my husband, his family are South Indian, he's South Indian and was born in Malaysia and was sent to a Catholic boarding school and so came to to Northern Ireland and we got married and we have three kids and we are a right mix and bunch and so yeah, that's how I've ended up. I've been called Karen (laughs) Schumacher, Karen Schumacher. Karen's Suther. But you know, I always I always applaud the attempt at the name with Karen Setharaman. And I grew up in East Belfast. Was raised by a single mum. I grew up in an era that is classified and known as the Troubles, but if I'm honest with you, Tig we kind of just lived in our own community. I was a little kid who just lived life. I grew up in that era as well. You're probably too young for this, but you know when you used to go out like early in the morning and then that was you out all day until your ma called you in for your dinner at night. It's a bizarre sort of world. We had this conflict going on, but yet you had the kids out in the street with the ropes around the lamppost and playing cricket and Kirby. Do you know what Kirby is?
1: Throw the ball against the curb, trying to make it hop back towards yes, you. So yeah,
2: yeah. now in West Belfast, they called it Kirby.
1: Cribby, right? We just yeah. call it curbs. We just call yeah, it curbs. curbs yeah.
2: yeah. So that was a big game. Though, mind I had a next door neighbour, Tag, who had an art of catching the ball and stabbing it with a knife. It was really kind of traumatic. She was like, I called her the scary woman. Oh my God, that is bananas. <laughs> Honestly, hand me, back, hand me back this ball off land. And I used to, she terrified me. Of course, the other kids that were more rebellious used to purposely bang the ball off her window. But I would say if you were to dig up her floorboards now, you know, like 40 years later, there'd be some balls (laughs) underneath.
0: We'd all
1: be able to finish our game of soccer. Like I had a neighbor who did the exact same thing. That is so bizarre. Like she used to stab your cup champions ball. She'd sometimes do it in front of you. I'm like, that woman is not, she's not well. Like it's today. It's a ball and tomorrow it's my head.
2: I just, I can still see the terror in my face as she handed it back. And sometimes she didn't get them back. And I was just worried about that. I, I always thought someday I'd go missing her or something. But yeah. but yeah, it was, a, it was a good upbringing and I loved it. And my mom, I think in her, I mean, she had a very difficult life tag. And I think for her, she found faith to be a strength and a comfort. And so that automatically launched me into a world of being sent to church and Sunday school.
1: The next two questions I have kind of connect to what you're saying with just your background and your mom, but... Obviously, just I find it fascinating just speaking to somebody from a unionist background at all, irrespective of the way that your views on a United Ireland might be now. But could you just give me a sense and the listeners a sense of what it was like to grow up in a unionist Protestant household?
2: To be honest with you, I didn't know anything else, if I'm honest with you, Tag. I don't even know when I was younger what that actually meant. Sure. Uh, I knew that there was union jacks about I didn't know anything else. I mean, And I think my mom grew up in that community because that's what she was born into. And so the kind of the cycle continues. But I think one thing I would say is that even though I was taken to the bands and taken to the bonfires, my mom never imposed, you know, she never set me down and said, this is who you are. We're for God and for Ulster. We are the red, white and blue. I have no memory of that. It was a case of my mom was a very simple woman Who was more, who represents, I think, a lot of families today who are more focused not so much on a flag, but on everyday living in terms of providing food and making sure her daughter had clothes and and making sure she could pay her bills. She was that very simple woman. But at the same time, there was that side that did go to the bands and did do the bonfires. And the thing is that whenever I stepped into my teens, I had a lot of questions tag. I had a lot of questions about all sorts of things. And I remember specifically at 18, you know, that moment when we can go and vote. And my mom was like, you will use your vote. And I remember going to the tiny church uh, around the corner from us. That was the polling station. I had no interest in politics. I didn't know anything about politics. I just hung out with my friends, live life. And I remember saying to my mom, I don't know who to vote for. And she said, we vote DUP. That's who we vote for in our community. And <laughs> in my wow. head, I said to her, you mean the man that yells when he's preaching? Never, never, never. And for God and all, is, that, is that who you vote for? So there was something clearly beginning to shift and change in me at that stage, but it was never an issue for my mom. And certainly. She died last year but before she died to see her shift and change and transitioning is inspirational, you know.
1: And if you don't mind telling me a little bit about something that we've talked about before where like you're Ireland's first female Baptist minister like she must be so immensely proud of everything that you've achieved and then you end up serving as a chaplain but the <laughs> but the Lord Mayor it, the Lord Mayor's from the other side. I just thought it was very beautiful what you were telling me about that if you would mind sharing it.
2: I got ordained. My mom was always part of that journey. She would have saw the heartache of that and the pain and the kind of what I call the wilderness years where my faith began to deconstruct, where I began to, in a sense, detox from institutional church and and what I call toxic theology. And she handled that with grace because I know she was quite strong in some of her Faith beliefs, but she handled my kind of journey with grace and supported me the whole way through that. And I remember then the day I got a phone call from Sinn Fein. I was asked, would I consider being chaplain to the Lord Mayor, Deirdre Hargey? And I didn't need to think about it. Yes, what an honor! What an honor! This is someone who's going to represent the city, and I get to be her support. So, they, I mean, the answer was yes. But I also was sensitive and aware that my mom was from East Belfast and that there was kind of Union Jacks and some UVF flags on the lamppost outside her house. And I remember wow. the day that I went to tell her the news. My mom had this... She had this kind of little dance, you know, she would do when she got good news. She'd be like, Woo, yeah. And it was like a little two up, two down, like little house. And she would kind of dance around the living room. And I can still see Aww. her do that. Yeah. She would have done that for any news that she got. You know, if I when I told her I was pregnant with Jonah, she'd be all woo. You know, I'd be traumatized and she'd be all woo. Yeah. So when I said to her, I said, listen, Mom, um, just to let you know, I've been asked to uh be chaplain to the Lord Mara of Belfast, and she was like, Woo. <laughs> Yeah, because that is brilliant, brilliant. And I said, Mom, you really need to sit down, okay? You need to sit down. And she sat down and I said, Listen, I just need you to know the Lord Mayor is dirty Hargey. And she said, Who's that? Oh. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, Well, she's a politician for Sinn Fein. And Tag, I will never forget. She just she looked at me and she said to me, You have to do this. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. She says, You have to do this because. We need people who are willing to go to the other side to create friendships. And I said, well, mom, I wanted you to know because of where you live. And in case I pop up on the media with her or anything, and I just don't want you to get hit with this. And and she said, listen, okay, they they may break my windows. But you know what, Karen, you have to do this. And, And that was it.
1: When you were first telling me about it I was emotional Because I think Not to put too fine a point on it Like that gesture from her And that openness from her Is the symbol of everything That moves forward Whether we move forward As a united Ireland Or we move forward As two different jurisdictions It's that openness And like just reaching Across the other side That it's just such a powerful symbol
2: And to watch her change During that journey as well Because whenever I stepped into the role Dirdrie and I became really great friends I don't think anything Got us ready or put us to imagine that we would come out of it the year later such really good friends and I love her I fell in love with her family with her community it had such a ripple effect and her dad had passed away and, and her mom is like the backbone of her family and we shared those stories of her moms and and when my mom passed away Dirdry. You know, these are the untold stories, but Dirgy, like like flowers and chocolates and a candle for me on my doorstep. We couldn't get together because of COVID. And it was those acts of kindness because we were determined to get our moms together because we recognized we're from different communities, but they are our powerhouses. We never did get that dinner with our moms together, but I have the honor of still being friends with Dirdrie to this day. She's a really good, close friend, so. Changed me that year, changed me.
1: That's powerful, Karen. Thank you for sharing it. I know because that's a personal kind of thing, but I just thought our listeners would just love to hear the, the symbolism of it. As you touched on earlier, reverence from a unionist background used to terrify me as a child. <laughs> 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 but like you seem very friendly towards me. How do you explain this?
2: <laughs> Goodness, I'm really sorry that that's been your experience. Though I think it was my. Well, just experience. one. Well, I growing up. I think I was <laughs> yeah. scared of anybody on a colour. Um, I don't know how anybody could not be friendly to you. I think that's a characteristic of being human. I think it's what it means to be human and show kindness. I think, Tag the danger, and I've experienced this, and, and all of us can fall for this, is that when you step into any position of leadership, particularly for those of us in ministry, it can become about power and control and authority. Whereas I have to, and I want to err on the side of love, grace and compassion and humility. I don't see my role in any way to bring any type of condemnation, to kind of ostracize or exclude people because you don't believe what I believe. I don't feel called to impose my faith. I see my role simply, tag, and I've said this before, to love God and love my neighbor. And I think it takes a lifetime to figure out what that means means that includes people that we don't see eye to eye with but when i met you instantly i just loved you (laughs) (laughs) you know you have a warm personality i think you're extremely care i think we share a heart to challenge injustice how could you not be friendly i think it's a human characteristic that all of us should be showing i
1: certainly don't want to make this about me because i'm here to listen to you but i think you'd find that on your so-called your own side there's elements that you would oppose on the opposite side. So like I find sometimes I would talk to people, I'm talking about even the likes of somebody from FINA Gay. like I talked to Neil Richmond during this podcast series, and I instantly got uh, maybe about 100 or 200 people unfollowed me. And I just thought to myself, how on earth would you ever move forward with anything though, if you don't talk to somebody who has different views to you? And I now it just so happens that I get on really well with Neil anyway. But even if you know if if I absolutely disagreed with someone's politics I suppose is what I'm saying I could still see past that to sit down and talk to them because what is the alternative it's almost I almost feel like that the north has illustrated better than maybe any other jurisdiction on earth that by having no dialogue at all or not reaching out at all for decades leads ultimately to the worst case scenarios so yeah I'm just kind of ranting here now but I just think that your your openness and your and your willingness to, to speak to people that you don't You mightn't necessarily agree with his grace. No,
2: I agree. I think what we need, and sometimes what is lacking, is a politics of kindness and friendship and compassion. I think we're lacking that. Yes. And I think later on, when we talk about a new Ireland, I think that's foundational. But I think having these conversations and your desire to reach out your hand. And even though it's cut off <laughs> many times, listen, I'm the yeah, same.
0: Absolutely. I
2: think the most important thing is that because of your heart and your compassion, I think you will keep reaching out. And that gives me hope for a future, you know.
1: That's lovely, Karen. I've just one more slightly negative question, then we move on to more positive <laughs> stuff. But do you get, like, do you get, I know you don't like labels. I've heard you say that and I agree with you 100%. I'm not a big labels guy either, but... Have you been labelled a Judas or have you been labelled like a traitor for being from a unionist background and say working with Ireland's future that that hope to bring about a border, poll?
2: The answer to that is yes, I do. I'm a very positive, optimistic person. I don't like to kind of dwell on that. I've said before, I mean, Tag, I'm human. Your skin... It's got to be tough and some things get into your spirit and can cause huge discouragement and, and kind of wondering, why am I doing this? And I have been defriended.
0: Are you serious? <laughs> I <have> been...
2: <laughs> yes, Whoa. I have. I have been, I've received threats and comments and nasty stuff. But I think what keeps me going, Tiger, and you probably, I would say you're probably very much the same is is, is a vision of something better. I mean, I am a visionary. And I I do believe that we need to work on today and making the north and the south of Ireland the best that she can be. But we can work on our everyday stuff. But we must also have our eye to the future. Where are we going? And that's vision. To be able to see what's ahead, to dream, to cast vision. And I think, Tag, that in the midst of all the negativity, there comes a point where the vision seizes you. I hope that makes sense so I can stand like I can say have a vision but then it captures my heart it seizes me and that's what pushes me through because I think that it's going to take uh, lots of us to do that and to remember and stay focused on the positivity and the friendships that we have where we hold each other up you know I see the negativity you get and I'm like you I want to run across glass bottles broken bottles that's what you said I read your comments I see your <laughs> kindness and I love that you want to say look let's grab a coffee and talk about this so there is something within us that is wired that we want something better but there are times it's my new saying and I've said this before block and roll block <laughs> yeah, and roll on you know get on with life I'm pulling close to the people who are with us and for us and if they're with us and for us let's rock and roll but if not then block and roll let's just keep going
1: Absolutely. And just to touch on the event that we were both at, very briefly, we were both at this Ireland's future event of the kickoff of it in Cork. And I've heard you speak about it and I was reflecting on what you said and my experience. And one thing that really shone through for me is a lack of ego. And I think it was exemplified by Thomas Gould, TD in Cork, when he stood up and said that he'd happily step out of this discussion if it furthered the ultimate goal of the Ireland uniting and building a new Ireland, like a, a new republic as it were and i felt that from all the panelists and i felt it from people in the the audience it's not really about any one person anymore it's a common goal so I love the way that you say this sometimes the vision starts to kind of capture you like that's a lovely way of putting it
2: yeah I loved I loved that guy I wrote about him in my article for Belfast Media yeah. because I think that it's important to say that and as we have a conversation about the future of Ireland that this does not belong to any one political party or any group of people and the thing is and you were saying about negativity is that I'm a, you know we get pigeonholed we get labelled well she's this she's in the back pocket of this them. She's friends with them. She's, you know, she's being used. I've heard it all. But I am a woman like all of us and everyone in that panel who have come to our own conclusions. We are intelligent enough to want to simply explore and to pave a better way. And I think his words were, he said, I am willing to get out of the way to see this work. To me, that's a true example of what it means to be neighbors. The unfortunate thing is that people will not see past who he is and the party that he represents, but I'm looking for people who can see past those labels. Yes. And say, "Okay, he sees something different, but we are on common ground there." I'm up for that.
1: Exactly. And actually from knowing the guy a little bit, I know that that it's purely authentic what he's saying as well, you know, that like and he acknowledges that it's like, well, that's just the Shinner angle. But as you said, there's all there's a human being there too. Like, we're not those labels Absolutely. that you kind of, yeah, that you, that you so articulately <laughs>
0: said.
1: Okay, so I will move on to my next question. A lot of people say, look, I haven't thought of anything funny about it, but just with Brexit being as distressing and frustrating and damaging to people's lives, particularly in where you live, is there anything at all that has been in any way amusing about about Brexit for you? <laughs> like it's a question I should have dropped months ago because nobody ever has anything anything to say on that. I think
2: the like we're still talking about Brexit and it, it is yeah. a, pantomime, it's a political pantomime. I think particularly in the north of Ireland, we are pawns in this whole... I'm going to call a Brexit fiasco. I think that there is constant criticism of the protocol and, and, I, and of Brexit, but I think that protocol is an effect of Brexit. And I guess what I find, I just can't believe it at times, is that the people who are magnifying their voices in this are the people that created it. Everybody has a right to protest and everybody has a right to say, look, I, I don't agree with this. But I would be taking those protests probably over to London and over to the place that has caused that. If anything, it has caused everything to shift and to change. And yeah, I just think it puts us in a very different position than we've been in. I know that many people go on about this, but the majority office here did not vote for this. And I understand that it was a nationwide vote, but I think if I was in a political leadership position, I would feel wrong to turn and to, to have a deaf ear to the cry of the people who were saying we want to remain part of the eu does that make sense of
1: course did you get a sense during this process that the people who were banging the drums the brexiteers that they were pushing brexit and they were actually just forgetting about the north and all the specific north issues that were going to arise or did they do it deliberately
2: i think it was arrogance right yeah, I do think it was arrogance. I don't believe they forgot. I just don't think we feature high on their list of priorities, if anything. And, and including in the unionist community, I think the kind of the faith in the Tory government is very low at the moment. Um, But I find it quite interesting to watch that you're willing still to hang your hat over there and be connected to a government that I think treat you so appalling it kind of breaks my heart tag, because i just think don't settle for that Mm. and i know that the the whole conversation about the future of ireland can be a step too far for some people and i completely respect that but i guess i would be saying but what is your alternative you want to you want to settle for this
1: absolutely
2: in terms of the union i don't know tag if you've ever this has been my experience but i don't know if you've ever been to a family gathering and never felt welcome. And like, oh. you kind of, you go to the family and they've been here and you like, they kind of tolerate you, you know, and, yes, you know, we have to invite her; as part of us. And, <laughs> and um, I have experienced this and it's a terrible feeling, but you know, we're blood and we're connected. And so we've got to show up and we've got to do this because we're a family. Yes. And actually, I think there are times, you no, know, if you don't fit. Yeah, I think you need to move on. And I think that the union is a bit like that for me. I I just don't think we fit and I don't think that we are family. I think that we're kind of maybe the stepchild or the child that nobody really wants. And and certainly my friends, anytime there's stuff, I have a lot of clergy friends over in the UK. And one of the things that they say is that you just don't feature here. Wow. And I just, even the heights of times that we've seen the problems that we've had even this year, the peace lines, you just don't feature here. I think that's tragic. I think our unionist community deserves something better than that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's so interesting that you use that analogy of the family gathering because I was talking to Patricia McBride recently and she used a similar type of analogy and and kind of made the point that she wonders, are unionists British enough for mainland Brits? There's nobody denying that they are British. That's their identity, but they're not British enough. And it's almost treated like the uncle. I think she was saying the, the uncle at the wedding is kind of like who are you again you know they're gonna, which a i thought was a fantastic character which i'm definitely going to steal <laughs> b though what, what i thought was interesting what she said afterwards though was that they need more love then which again ties and I, and I really genuinely don't mean to say that in a patronizing way it's like they're not being shown love by the thing that they think they are connected to the one thing i got from speaking to people so far when i've been up there is nobody is kind of like ha ha ha, ha. God, loyalism is, is is a joke, isn't it? It's an, an awful predicament. There's massive empathy from the nationalists that I spoke to. Like that it, there is this kind of, as you say, quite tragic situation going on. And, and what can we do to mend it together? It seems to be the vibe I was getting.
2: Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think it is important to say that this is someone's identity. And I don't feel that wedded to a to the union I just like the family member I just want to be part of something where I'm not I don't feel really welcome and I'm not loved as part of that unit and I think that it to me it's a sense of belonging and I think that's a fundamental question in all of this is where do you belong and you will always have the hardliners you'll always have the people who will say well I belong here and what it is the condition that you have to tolerate this and I just think we deserve something better. And I think yes, and people would often say to me, Tag, you shouldn't be looking to the future, you shouldn't be looking, you should be concentrating on today's kind of everyday issues. And you know what? That's absolutely right. But as I shared earlier, that when we work in our everyday and people day in and day out are at grassroots level, working and, and working towards peace and reconciliation. But where are we going? Yes, you work on your everyday. But I think that so many of us, and certainly for me, Tag, it has raised that question of, is this it? Yes. Is this it? Is this the best for us in Northern Ireland? And that's how then the whole conversation opened up to to exploring the possibility of a new island.
1: Absolutely. I've heard you say actually in interviews, one of the reasons why you may support a border poll is because you want something better for your children. And then I just wondered when I heard you say that, I wondered, why do you believe the union can't offer you better? So I was just thinking if I was a unionist and I was listening to you say that, I'd say, well, why? Why is the United Ireland better than the union for your children?
2: I think there's a couple of things I would say in that. I think I've already covered that quite yeah, a bit sure. in terms of partition in and of itself is divisive. And we've had 100 years of this. I also think it's up to people. You cannot threaten and impose your thinking on the next generation. I don't think it's right for me to put the past of this country on the backs of my kids. I think they should make up their own minds and they're pretty intelligent to do that. It's built in the Good Friday Agreement room for a border poll and to allow people to decide. So I think to not allow that is wrong. Let's call it what it is, because what you're essentially doing is that you're not respecting your neighbor's desire to explore a different way. And I think the kind of the State of the Union, the whole idea of I'm part of this family, but I don't feel part of this family. I believe that the Tory government is pretty corrupt in some of the things that they've been doing recently. And they've hit the headlines for that. I think that the spotlight isn't on Northern Ireland. And so therefore, I think then, not least because Brexit has catapulted us to this place, the spotlight is shone on the question. Is there another way? Is there a way to make our home better? Because the starting place isn't, well, you know, we're going to create this island and you're welcome and you're welcome. No, the starting place, and I've said this before, Tig, is that this is already our home and no one is an addition. No unionist, no nationalist, no Muslim, no traveller, travel, anyone from the traveller community. No one is an addition. This is our home. So these conversations are about looking over here at the UK. And by the way, I'm up. For the unionists to sell the union, because I think so often in conversations and the work that we do in terms of championing the island coming together, that whenever we reach out to our unionist neighbours and say, look, come be part of these conversations, of course they're going to say no. I wish that they wouldn't. But... I think our role is just to continually say there's a place at the table that come pull up a chair, come be part of these conversations. But I think the onus and the spotlight shines on them to do the work on their end as well. Because the reality is that when, and we can learn this from Brexit, we don't want to run into the same mistake that we did before. We want to go into the polls, exactly what does this mean for me? What does it mean for me in terms of health and education and the economy and jobs and housing? And I think, Tag, that I am not stupid. But I don't think the south of Ireland has everything together and we all grab hands and run into the sunset and sing Kumbaya.
1: <laughs> Although that does sound lovely.
2: I do think to do a sketch in that. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can actually
1: see us. I could see us leading that troop.
2: It's like a Father Ted episode. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, this isn't us sitting with blinkers on and saying yeah. listen the south have got it all together and it's so much better in the uk no this is the opportunity to put the shoulder to the wheel we can even create a new government we can get the right people on board get our experts on board who see beyond the two communities and begin to change that generational thing that we're handing down does that make sense of
1: course of course and i mean You've already gone some way to answering one of my last questions anyway, but I mean, we can continue talking about it for a little bit, that what is this new Ireland? I mean, give me a vision then of your ideal Ireland, like that we're, forget about the constitution almost for a moment, that in the future, what is the kind of island that you're living on and what does it feel like? Compared to what you have right now,
2: I think it will take us a while to get there. This isn't a case off, right? We head towards a border poll, then the vote comes and say it's in favor of an all Ireland. And then the next day we woke up in this kind of Wizard of Oz land. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it does. That's another sketch. It doesn't, it doesn't. I'm
1: definitely Dorothy. I'm definitely Dorothy.
2: This is going to take generations and generations to look this through. The way I see it is I want a nation of neighbors. That's what I want. For me, this isn't even just about cutting off from the UK and goodbye, Dick, and Scotland, all the best, and Wales, hope it happens, and here we are, all rosy in the garden. This is a case of we have a lot of work to do here, and we keep the main thing the main thing, which is our everyday issues, our everyday living And we create a good health service and build better homes and help those in need and poverty and become a place where everyone is equal. People of faith, other faiths, no faiths, that nation of neighbors. And that whole agent question of who is my neighbor is a whole other podcast. But it's kind of the springboard for my work tag because you don't need to have faith to live life with your neighbor. You don't need to have faith to recognize that you are my neighbor and I am yours and you're my community and I'm your community. And some people can say, well, that's a bit of hot air, you know, like, who does you think? But the reality is, I think we need some big thinkers and dreamers and vision casters because I think the alternative is that we remain where we are. And I'm tired of... Them threatening to bring down Stormont. I'm tired of them threatening to bring down Stormont. I'm tired. And in the mix of this, there's a group of people. There's our young people. Yes. There's our Muslim community. There are other communities in there. Are undecided our middle ground and I think we find our common ground and I think our common ground is do you want to be part of a nation of neighbours then let's do that intentionally let's build that intentional community and I think this is us getting off the starting blocks
1: I did a a little pilot for RT which obviously never got off the ground because I was involved in it but uh (laughs) but I was chatting to people on the streets of Cork about like I was trying to get get a sense of people about a United Ireland and Cork. And like one thing that's very positive is that most people were like they were up for it in principle. But the second type of response I got therein lies the problem as far as I'm concerned, which is they kept framing it as if I don't know if we can afford it and this kind of thing of. But definitely the paradigm in the mind is that you're bolting the north onto the south, as you say, like quite rightly say, as if the south is some sort of perfect state. And we just tag the North on and we'll absorb the cost of that and, and on we go forward. Whereas I'm much more interested like, in the stuff that you're saying and in the stuff that Ireland's future are putting out there, which is let's kind of rip it up and start again a little bit. Like I'm quoting Patricia McBride again, now, but I think she was saying that like France is on its fifth republic. It's time for Ireland maybe to have its, its second republic. Like our housing system down here is, is the housing is broken. Health is broken. These things are utterly broken. Like can we just rip it up and start again? It's it's exciting.
2: It's exciting, yeah. I think, listen, if you don't dream and have a vision, it is true that people perish without a vision. And I think that the politicians, and I've said this before, I said this in Cork, and, and we we are thankful for them wherever they stand politically. They are human beings. They are very passionate about what they do and about their mandates. But hand in hand with that, and they'll be the ones ultimately that will sell the vision. You know, they're going to sell the vision when the border poll comes along. I think that's one thing, actually, we do agree with our unionist neighbours, is that we hear them use the language of, "Well, look, a border pole is up ahead, then we need to do something about it. And that's why I do love being part of Ireland's future because we are not scared to ask the hard questions. And we're not scared to seek to answer those and to bring the experts in to do that. And I think there's something very powerful that hand in hand with being politically led, that it is people-led tag. And so we do a lot of the work, we look at housing, we look at education, our health service and and all these things that will take a long time to work and move forward towards. But the reality is that the people can do the work and then the politicians can sell their visions and at the end of the day, the people will vote. That's the beautiful thing about democracy. But I guess what I would be saying to to those of us in the North is do not silence and do not Assault the heart, and the beautiful thing about democracy, and that includes people who want to decide their future. And I think that's really critical in terms of living as neighbours. I think the days are over when we say, "Well, this is our community, and this is my community," and those days are gone. I think we want a better tomorrow.
1: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay, I have only one question left for you, and it's pure speculation. What if anything would be the consequences of Brexit in terms of independence movements?
2: Yeah, I think I think I'm right in saying that Wales and Scotland are already aren't they having conversations and all of that? And listen, we are a prime example of that. I don't believe tag. I'm going to be honest. I don't believe we should have a border poll tomorrow. Right. I think it's going to take time, but I think the governments need to do something about this because again, it's the whole idea of, I have a problem with leaders who are la 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 la, who kind of do their thing and just silent are not paying attention to see it and not do anything about it causes me great concern. And the reality is that these conversations here in Ireland are growing, they're unstoppable, they're happening from kitchen tables to business events to all the things that we get an honour. And I think for leaders in our UK government, in our Irish government, and even in the US, not to hear that and to recognise that is poor leadership. I really do. I think they need to do something about that, needs to now be part of this and begin to work forward for that. So in terms of constitution, I don't know the answer. I don't know what will happen, but I'm excited about it. I think if I even wasn't invited to the table, I would be pulling up a folding chair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm one exactly. of those people. And
2: I'm like, listen, anything for change, anything better than this? I'm there. <laughs> I'm happy just to be in the audience. I'm yeah. happy just to be part. But I want to be part of a movement, let's call it that, of, yeah. of a movement that wants something better. What I love, TAG, is that the movement aren't the usual suspects. Mm. You know, there are other people there. They may not always be vocal like me, but I get people who contact me. Yes, I get the negatives, but I do get people who go, this is good. This is good. Do this, you know, so. Uh,
1: That's it, Karen. I have nothing else to say to you (laughs) you except that I love you very much. And uh, it's (laughs) an absolute pleasure. I really, really mean this from the heart that I think you personify all that's good about the imagined future of Ireland. I really, really mean that.
2: you are getting me emotional now.
1: How on this earth could you not love that woman like she is an absolute beacon and like it's worth noting right because I won't say much now and cut out the faff but her compassion whilst beautiful and wonderful is not unique that's certainly my experience of being up the north anyway and talking to a variety of pro-irish unity people. I talked to a lot of obviously karen is from a unionist background she's kind of pro-unity now as you know i talked to a lot of nationalists and republicans i always got that sense of compassion towards the other community i heard a lot of people taking the piss out of the tories i heard a lot of people kind of having a little bit of a laugh at the establishment or ruling class in england but i didn't hear anyone go wow do you know orange used to trump green It seems like green is going to trump orange. Now, look at the state of loyalism. They're in an awful pickle. I didn't hear that once. What I heard from Patricia and and many others, as you've already heard them in the the interviews, the other community, actually, what they need now is love because they're not getting it from over there. Over across the water, we can kind of all accept now at this point, like they could no more give a shit. ...about what's going on over here in either community. They just care about holding on to power... ...and getting away with having Christmas nibbles and drinkies and party games. So that's it guys. Uh, One last massive thank you to Karen. An absolute pleasure. And I would say, I don't know if I ever will get married... ...but if I do get married... ...I tell you now Kaz, you're marrying me. No arguments. Come back next time for a guest... ...offering amongst other things Irish language lessons and the most mind-blowing musical performance I think you're likely to hear in any Brexit-related podcast around the place. by.
0: Bet you wish <inaudible> you were here. <sighs>